Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle. I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, my man. I'm so excited to be back with you. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. I think you'll like the topic we're talking about, how to create income for life. Who, who doesn't want that? I don't know anybody who doesn't want that. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's a, that's that's a exactly trick question. It. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've talked before about how much I love reading about finances and retirement planning, especially. Mm-hmm. And Kiplinger is a magazine we've talked about before, too. Yep. And the, the feature story on uh, the most recent magazine, it said, Spend Without Worry, How to Manage Your Retirement Savings to Achieve the Lifestyle You Want. That sounds that sounds great. Let's take a look at it. Turns out on the internet, they changed the title. Must be a better title for the internet called How to Create Income for Life. So that's what we're talking about today. How to Create Income for Life. Yeah, well, it was interesting. And I reached out to the author, Sandra Block is her name, a great person, because everything I read about it, I loved. And she basically explained our five-step retirement income plan almost better than we explain it. So it was, it's wonderful. We've never met before. And yet here she's talking about all the different issues that are out there and the reasons people need to look at their finances a little bit differently. And that's why I just absolutely uh, love this article. Okay, so what are we talking about today? I mean, as far as income for life, I've, I've heard lots of different strategies, but what's her approach? Before we actually talk about her approach, let's talk about the issues and the reasons why you need to take a different approach to retirement planning. Okay. What she talks about is the old way was basically you work till you're 65, you retire, you start your pension that same day, you start your Social Security the same day, you make a little bit of interest on your bank money, and you're set for life. Well, now there's less pensions. There's more 401ks where you're responsible for your own your own savings. Social Security seems to be more uncertain. They've been saying for years that Social Security's trust fund will run out of money in 2034. Well, that's getting closer and closer every single year. And people are living longer. Your parents most likely did not live as long as today's retirees. And so there's just a lot more uncertainty, a lot more responsibility, and we need to help people figure that all out. There's a few other things too that happens when you are somebody that has a 401k, has money in savings. You spent your whole life where you've been growing that, and it is tough to flip a switch and say, I wanna start taking money out and actually watch my money go down. Uh, I figure you start at nothing, you built it up to something, if you end up with a dollar or more at the end, you're a winner. But most people don't approach it that way. They take a look and say, I built it up from nothing to something. And anytime it dips a dollar below that something, whatever it is, it feels like they're losing. And I can't blame them. You spent 35 years building it up to a certain dollar amount. And it, it just does not feel good to start taking that money out uh, mm-hmm. from there. They uh, interviewed someone, Michael Finke is his name. He's part of the American College. I've got a few designations through there. Love everything that he puts out there. And he did a study, they did a study. It said 80% of retirees are uncomfortable watching their nest egg get smaller. And he said to an economist, that's a mystery. Why did you bother saving? Why did you even build it up to something if you're not gonna bother taking it out uh, in the first place? And so it's just a interesting situation where the more responsibility 
the more money that you have saved up, it's almost like it's the harder it is for you to feel okay about taking it out. And that's why we feel so great about having a process that helps you take your money out and make sure that you've spent the savings that you've been building up over time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you've, you've spoken about this before, Jeremy, that's, I don't think it's the taking it out. That's the problem. It's the concern about when's the last day I'm going to be taking money out of this account. And then I don't have anything. And that's, that's where that fear creeps in. And and Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I can, I can, I'm not at that point yet, but I guarantee I'll be like, Oh man, I hope Mm -hmm. I did enough. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of fear. They had in a study that Kiplinger did, 77% of retirees are worried about inflation. And in actuality, the longer you live, the worse inflation hits you, right? Mm-hmm. You live 10 years, inflation can't hurt you too bad. You live for 35, 40 years, inflation could really take a, take a bite out of that. And so a lot of people go into retirement, they're concerned about inflation, concerned about how long they might live, concerned about seeing their nest egg drop below where it started. And they're trying to do certain things to feel better about it. One of them that she talks about is this thing called the 4% rule. The idea that if you only take out just a certain dollar amount, you should be good to go no matter how long you live. If you study it, the answer is you should be good to go if you only live 30 years, which is about the averages, but also half the people live longer than average. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily that the 4% rule is going to be the savior to the thoughts of I'm worried about inflation, I'm worried about how long I might live, I'm worried about watching that nest egg go down. That's that's one thing to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is if you're thinking of the 4% rule, you're thinking of your investments, you are focused on one piece of the pie. There's other pieces out there. There's social security, there might be pensions. We work with a lot of retirees that work at public companies and a lot of them that have been there for 10 years, 15 years, 40 years, still have some pensions that are out there And if you're focused on that 4% rule and you say, okay, I've got a million bucks, perhaps I can only take out 4%. That's only $40,000 I can take this year. I can't live on 40,000. So I must take social security today. I must take the pension today. Mm. And what you're doing is you're so focused on a, a rule, which is not a rule, just it's like a guideline on one part of your area. And you are probably hurting yourself in other parts of your areas. And so if you think you can't take out more than 4%, you might not actually retire until you hit 62 for social security, even though you could afford to do it earlier. And then you hit 62 and you say, well, I got to take it today. And if you happen to take social security at 62, that's about 70% lower than if you had uh, waited till you're 70. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a big difference uh, on there. And so not saying everyone needs to wait on social security, incorporate it all together. Look at it all together where maybe you ought to wait on social security. Maybe you even ought to wait on your pension. Sometimes you can retire early at 55, perhaps 60, and start taking your pension right away. And yet your highest pension amount might be at 65 or 67. I've even even seen it at the age of 72 where you could keep on delaying your pension. Hmm. And it is interesting how sometimes you can see these pensions grow by 5% a year, 8% a year, even seen a 16% a year growth on waiting on that pension. And if you're so focused on, I can only take out so much money from your investments, you might be foregoing and missing out on this growth that could happen in your social security and in your pension. Wow, I never thought of that. Well, it, most people don't think about it that way. They, they just kind of almost compartmentalize it and say, I just am focused on one area and I can't lose on uh, my investments. Well, what if you can't lose on your social security? 
and on your pension. It's worthwhile to work with a process. And in our process, we figure out, number one, how much money are you going to need in retirement? Sometimes you're in a great position where you don't need the social security money or the pension money or the investment money right away. Now you've got all these different options and your goal there is to just optimize all three of those together to give yourself the best retirement and perhaps even give your beneficiaries some extra money left over. And so integrate it all together. The second step is to actually look at your pension, look at your social security, and that's trying to maximize those specific parts of your retirement tools that are out there. And then you start looking at the investments. People have got it backwards where they start looking at the investments first. We want you to look at your social security, your pension, maximize those before you start thinking about your investments. Another thing we love about this article is they keep talking about waiting on social security. And that's great because a lot of people just, just automatically take social security as soon as they're eligible for it. Then we have people we've talked to where they almost do the opposite. They've heard that waiting till 70 is the best thing to do. So they just automatically think they ought to wait until 70. And we don't want anyone to use these rules, these guidelines that are so set in stone. They're just kind of generic things for anybody. Don't automatically take Social Security at 62. Don't automatically take it at 70. Do an estimate and figure out what's going to be best for, for you and your family, especially if there's two of you in your family. You have two Social Securities to figure it out. And it's not as if you both have to take it at the same time. When you're figuring out the best way to go with Social Security, you want to estimate your life expectancy. We do that. We look at the couple together. We look at them separately. We look at the, the widow. There's often going to be a widow or a widower if there happens to be mm-hmm. two uh, people, right? That's, that's almost likely going to happen. And then we want to incorporate into that big decision taxes. A lot of people look at Social Security. They're looking at this just break-even number. When do I break even? If I wait a certain amount of time, how long before I break even on that? That is just one small piece of it. And it often ignores your actual life expectancy, ignores the life expectancy of the couple, ignores what you're doing for the widow and hopefully trying to make sure the widow's going to do all right. And if you've maybe done all that, you almost definitely forgot about taxes. Social Security money is tax different than IRA money. And when you incorporate those together, oftentimes it's better for at least one person and the couple to wait. And then sometimes it means the other couple uh, the other person in the couple actually takes it a little bit earlier, but you've got to take a look, incorporate the taxes into it, get the numbers before you actually make these decisions. Don't automatically do something. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's, you covered this before just more in depth in one of your previous podcasts. And I remember thinking, man, that's brilliant because I believe you said that looking at a couple, if you know that somebody's life expectancy, which is normally the man is shorter than the woman's. Uh, mm-hmm. If you delay him taking his, if he does pass away or when he does pass away, the wife has the widow has an option of t- to take the higher Social Security. So if you had waited and even got a higher Social Security from the husband, then yep. when he's gone, she takes over that and it's higher for her as well. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And you can go with uh, kind of those gender roles right now for a lot of people because quite often right now in 2021, it's still that the the husband is probably a couple years older, mm-hmm. which means he gets to those ages first, right? He gets to the higher ages first. 
And it's still where the wife maybe took some years out of the workforce to take care of the kids and things like that. So it is still often that the husband is the one that has the higher of the social securities. But a lot of people still have this male, female, just like dogma in their head. And in reality, it's a matter of who's older and who has the higher social security amount. So Mm -hmm. take a look at that. And just in general, if it matches up that the person that is older also has the higher social security, then chances are that's the person you want to wait on their social security for. Mm -hmm. But that's the whole point. Take a look. It might not necessarily be that the older person had the higher social security. might not necessarily be that the husband is the one with the higher social security. You got to plug it in, get the numbers, because a lot of times you kind of get one chance at this and you want to get it right ahead of time. Another great thing that she put in the article is that if you're concerned about income for life and you're concerned about inflation and you're concerned about how long you might live, well, one way to get a certain amount of income for life is to invest into an annuity. And that word annuity means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. And a lot of the clients that we work with or people who are about to become clients ask about, should I get an annuity? I know that I'm worried about these certain things and I heard that an annuity can take care of that. And the answer is yes, it can take care of that. But we want people to understand first, if you want the certainty of an income for life, I'm imagining you would want to get the cheapest, best annuity rate that you can find. It just makes sense. When you look at that, waiting on Social Security, waiting on your pension is probably the cheapest, best annuity payout rate Mm. that you can find. And guess what? There's no commissions. You have an annuity, there's often large commissions that come along with it. You wait on Social Security, you wait on your pension, there's no uh, commissions there. So you got three things working for you on why waiting on Social Security, waiting on your pension might be the answer to how you get a certain amount of income every month for the rest of your life. And you don't have to bother with buying a different account or a new account. Maybe that's one that you, you don't quite understand. So we always encourage people, look at that first, add up how much guaranteed money you'll be getting every month and decide if that's enough. If it's not enough, then yeah, let's start taking a look and find an annuity that gives you the cheapest cost, best payout that you can find. But the first place to start is waiting on social security, waiting on your pension. A few more things they talk about there is actually going out, getting a part-time job. Kind of the old school way was you kept working till you stopped and then you did nothing. You didn't work mm-hmm. anymore. And a lot of people don't like that idea. They like to kind of stair step down. Or maybe one spouse wants to stop working fully. The other one doesn't. They realize, okay, 40 or 50 hours a week for somebody, zero hours a week for the other one might be a, a relationship disconnect uh, on there. But maybe the person uh, that was working full time goes to part time, works 25, 30 hours a week. Maybe the person that wanted to just cut down to zero realizes that they got bored a little bit and coming back to work for 10 or 20 hours a week gives them something to do. And it's so great because now you're not relying on your investments. You're not relying on your social security. You're relying a bit on the part-time job. Could be even the part-time job if you're below 65 and you're not on Medicare yet, you might be concerned about health insurance. And some of those jobs like Costco, Starbucks, we've heard too, they oftentimes can offer some health insurance. If you work at like a um, a healthcare provider, some, you know, hospitals and hmm. different uh, health organizations, oftentimes they'll provide health insurance if you have just 20 hours per week. So I love that they put in there that consider a part-time job. It could have huge benefits in terms of the health insurance you could have below 65. 
And even if it's not too much money, you know, you're making less, even half what you're making before. The fact that you're getting paid for your working makes it easier psychologically, makes you feel better about spending that money. And that's just a great way to, to ease into retirement. Yeah. And I would think that that'd be an, also a great way to put off claiming social security so you can get that higher amount. So if, kind of just like you do with them, mm-hmm. let's, let's look at a plan. So if you were to work yeah. part time for the next two years, that would be plenty to, to get you by, pay for the things that you need to pay for without having to take social security. And in two years, if my math is right, your social security increases by 16%. So many great things in this article, so many great ideas. And it's well worth it to consider all this before you hit retirement instead of after you hit yeah. retirement. That's what we want people to be, be doing. A few more things we'll, we'll wrap it up with. And again, we're going to put this, this article in the show notes. It's such a great resource. Take a look at it. Call us with any questions. We're, we're here to help too. A few more things that they talk about is add what's called a buffer. If you're somebody that's been investing in the stock market, that's more aggressively invested, and you've been waiting till retirement, and you like the idea of hopefully getting better returns through the stock market, you might want to continue with something like that in retirement. The difference though is now all of a sudden you have to start taking money out. And when the market's down, you definitely don't want to sell as much stocks as you would otherwise. Make sure you have some level of buffer. You can maybe have one or two or more years set aside of money and cash that you don't need to have in the stock market. There's a suggestion there from a person named Wade Fowl. We've talked about him before. He's the retirement researcher. He knows his stuff. He's, hmm. He is the retirement researcher. He owns the, the domain name. Of course he is, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he talks about reverse mortgages or home equity lines of credit as just a buffer amount of all this in the market tanks like it did in March of 2020 and you're worried for a few months on selling money out of the stock market. Well, maybe you take a few thousand bucks out of that line of credit and then the market comes back up and you pay it off again. It's just a, a buffer, a way not to have to worry about uh, taking money out of the stock market. Great stuff in there. Yeah. And the last one we'll leave you with is the idea is that you'd like to lower your taxes over your, your lifetime. Most people want to do that. The easiest way to lower your taxes over your whole lifetime is to plan them out. A lot of times when you're working, you don't have as much control over your taxes. You hit retirement, you've got a lot of control over your taxes. You could take money out in December, spend it in January. You could take a loan out in December and then take the money out in January, pay it off. Well, that was two different tax years. You spent it in a different tax year, then you pay the taxes on it. You can choose which account you take money from. You can choose on when you take Social Security. And some of the things you ought to be looking at is when do you pay taxes on purpose upfront to lock in your tax rate, to take out some of the uncertainty of what your taxes might turn out in the future. That's called a Roth conversion. Those are things we're looking at all the time for our clients. What is that tax rate today? What is it likely to go to in the future? Whichever one's the lower tax rate, that's when you wanna choose the taxes on. And so that Roth conversion is something you ought to be looking at to lower your taxes of your lifetime. And another one that hits later on, you get to 70 and a half, a lot of our clients, a lot of people we work with are generous, great giving type of people. And they sometimes get tax deductions for giving their money away. Sometimes they don't because the tax laws change all the time. But as of right now, this tax law has been in there since 2009, this thing called the qualified charitable distribution of where you have money in your IRA, traditional IRA, and you can take that money 
and send it directly to the charity that you're supporting. And that's a great way to just avoid paying the taxes on that money. Especially if you are someone who's charitable, take a look at it. If you're not charitable yet, start thinking about it because that's Mm -hmm. just a great way to bless the world and bless your tax return. It'll be a helpful thing. It yeah. uh, perhaps lowers your taxes and is helping out people at the same time. So again, just great information. Found this article, absolutely loved it. I had to reach out to the to the author and said, love everything you're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why I like joining you on these podcasts. I love it when you have your guests on and, and I learned so much from that, but just having these conversations with you, I learned a ton. So thank you so much. This is great today. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Again, we'll have that resource in the show notes. You can contact us there uh, from the show notes, send us a a message. And it's just the idea is that if you're hitting retirement, you want to spend your money, but you don't necessarily want to worry about it. And you want to make sure that income lasts for life. You got to have a plan. And when you have that plan, you'll be able to spend without worry in in a way that she's talking about in that article. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for joining us. And thank you too to all the listeners for joining us on the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.